Hey Who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 160. Yeah. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, howdy do, who fans? Welcome to 160. Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something, something Doctor, Doctor Who related. related. Yeah. <laughs> In today's show, we've got a couple of bits of news, got some cool merch. Got some really cool merch this week, yeah. couple of cool bits and a not so cool bit i know you'll be you'll be picking said item up for sure I know yeah i was will. gonna say there's one bit on that tray that you're not you're not keen on but i've got a feeling it's the one i'll be buying yeah <laughs> i know i know which one yeah i'm just looking at the list and i'm just looking at it now to see yeah yeah it'll be the one that i'm buying <laughs> but i knew you wouldn't be i knew you wouldn't be bothered about that <laughs> so yeah i hope you guys have had a good week we're at 160 now where are all these I, shows going i don't know i don't know it's a miracle we're managing to do it every week. I'm, I'm currently recording this in the security kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually in the kitchen because um, they're um, still having building work done. So uh, there is nowhere, nowhere in this house for me to record. And I'm in the corner of my kitchen uh, next to the fridge and a bunch of bananas. So, yeah, <laughs> so, you know, we, you know, we will. It takes a lot for us not to record. You know, we will always find a way, won't we, mate? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So I'm in the security kitchen. Yeah. I, I asked you earlier if even if you were within decent reach of biscuits or snacks, but. Just, oh, yeah, I've got bananas. plenty of food yeah. and drink around me. Yeah, I'll be about, I'll have put on a stone by the end of this uh, podcast. Oh, you're sorted then, yeah. It's going to be like <laughs> nine hour podcast. you just got everything actually, you need. Looking ar- yeah. yeah, looking around me, it's a bit boring actually. There's a bag of <laughs> pasta, some onions. It's, yes, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's not very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a very important question though. Yes. How have you been, mate? Yeah, I've been, I've been good. I've been very good. Yeah, I haven't done I haven't done a lot Doctor Who related this this week. I must admit. Me either. Um, yeah. No, I bet there is something that we've um, both done though, and that is watch the new Star Wars trailer about a thousand times. Oh, of course. Yes. Oh, it's immense. Sorry to talk Star Wars or Doctor Who podcast, but oh, the new trailer is just um, amazing. Um, I, I actually thought I'd seen it early, but uh, I'm glad <laughs> that I hadn't because I went to see Blade Runner um, Did you last fall weekend. It's very slow. <laughs> I quite really? enjoyed. I quite enjoyed it, but man, it's a slow film. It's about three hours as well. Um, no, I quite enjoyed it actually. But before it, they played a trailer for um, Star Wars, which oh, I'd never nice. seen, and I was like, "Oh!" I got all excited, thinking it was exclusive, um, and I was really underwhelmed by it. And I, we were all talking about it on the way back, saying, "God, that new Star Wars trailer was 
was a letdown, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I was messaging some friends. They're like, "You haven't seen the trailer? That's a teaser, you fool!" And I was like, "No, it was no, it was about two minutes long. It was a proper trailer." And we had this big discussion, and then of course it got released at midnight the following day, didn't it? The proper trailer. And I was yes. like, "That's more yeah. like it. That's now that's a trailer." <laughs> so yeah, I loved that. But no, sorry to get back to Doctor Who. I haven't really done much this week. Um, I got one little treat through the post, which was uh, a figurine of Agador. Remember that creature from Curse of Peladon with the oh, big yeah. the statue, the horn. Yeah. He's pretty cool actually. Yeah. Um so he's he's part of the Doctor Who figurine collection magazine. That's right. Um yep. and he's like a special issue, so he's big. You know, they're normally sort of, I don't know, three inch or whatever. These are big and and uh, he's pretty cool. So when the building works done and I can finally put all my Doctor Who stuff back on the shelf. <laughs> Um, it'll be going on there, and he's he's going to look pretty good. But that's the only thing I've had through the post this week. I've been very restrained in that's terms sweet. of spending. Yeah, it's yeah. not yeah, not been much um, tempting me on the old merch site this week. So yeah, so that's been me, mate. So it's been mostly Star Wars, Blade Runner, and a bit of Agador. Agador. I am saying it right, no Agador. You yeah. are. Yes, it's um. Yeah. Agador, Agador. <laughs> it's the uh, isn't it the the the, the god that they try and work one of the guys is very uh uh into agador and he yeah yeah he wants to uphold the um the uh the the worship of said god and that's it's the it. statue just... isn't it that that falls on somebody at some point in one of the episodes i'm pretty sure that's right yeah. that'd probably be like my figurine at some point with the building work i'll probably just get him placed nicely and i'd be like just banging one last nail and he'll come crashing down on me <laughs> I was only wondering if it was, I was pronouncing it right because someone put um, I put Agador and they were like shake pineapples or sort of shake a tree you know like Agadu and I was thinking that's not how you say it, is it? push pineapples shake a tree isn't it so yeah, yeah. somebody just being witty somebody, <laughs> so that's yeah, me, being mate. So somebody being clever so what are you up to mate what have you been at uh, I've been up to very little yeah same as you mate just uh, yeah? not much I've watching the star wars trailer obviously, obviously. many times yeah uh but no not i've been into um i've been watching a bit of mccoy though so some of you who um follow us on instagram and twitter and stuff you'd have seen me um put something on there to say i just really into mccoy still at the moment that's never gone away since i uh transitioned over to loving him as as the doctor so i've mm. watched happiness patrol and curse of fenric over the last week oh right uh which is cool and i've also finally got around to reading the article the interview from the latest doctor who magazine as well yeah, yeah. i think that one and the davison interview are, t- are two of my favorite interviews because they're just very honest and you know there's no messing around if that makes sense yeah i i must admit i there is a good interview mccoy but i do i love the davison issue that came out uh, a few months back he's mm. so yeah i really did like that yeah so i know what you mean but yeah it's a good it's a good issue this month it's strange that it was so hard to find um it wasn't just you we had a few people on twitter say the same thing that they couldn't find it for love and money so very odd very odd mm. i was just looking to see which mccoy stories we haven't reviewed together yet because there's uh, there's not many is there we've done most of them but um We've still got Dragonfire, the Happiness Patrol, and the Curse of Fenric to do. So we've still got three quite interesting McCoy stories there, which is good. Because like you, it's a bit like with the Ninth Doctor era, which we finished off last week. I was like, oh no, we've done them all now. And you almost feel like you want to go back and do them all again. I know. So I know. yeah, and it's the same with the McCoy era, isn't it? I'm looking at them thinking. Oh, we haven't got many left. But yeah, we've got three crackers there, I think, um, yeah. in terms of they'll be very interesting to review, I think. 
those three. Yeah, I reckon so. Yes. Don't know when it'll be, but they'll, we will do them eventually. Yeah, some point. Some point. Yeah. Uh, Want to make an announcement as well? Yes. We have our writers. We have our new team. That's so exciting. This is awesome. Uh, so as you guys know, over the past few weeks, we've um, opened up our doors to invite some writers in who are going to contribute articles for us. And that's ranging from reviews to thoughts on episodes to thoughts on doctors, hairstyles, or anything these guys want to <laughs> write about that's who related is uh, is all good. So we whittled them down, whittled them down. Um, and we actually settled on three writers yes, in the end. Did. Um, we, we chose somebody fairly early on. Um, uh, who we thought was really good. And then we was torn between two of them. Uh, and then we just thought, ah, sod it, we'll just take them both because they're pretty good. So uh, I really need to get the drum roll sound clip loaded I up. know. I don't know if I can do one. I, uh, no, it's about as best I can manage. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So anyways, we have our new writers. They are Mr. Dan Peters, Mr. Jordan Shortman. And I know I'm going to say her surname incorrect, as always. <laughs> Uh, you've probably heard her send in some audio clips before. Uh, Maria Kalitachu, or Kalitachow. I think it's yes. Kalitachu, yes. So welcome aboard, our three new TARDIS team members. Uh, those guys were going to start contributing articles for us from Monday the 23rd of October. Fantastic. So we're going to get them uh, up to speed with stuff. And then, yeah, so I, I, I'm really excited about this because um, it's really as making the most of um the big blue box community you know and getting those guys uh getting their thoughts because it's again it's the same reason why this podcast was set up in the first place it's you've got thoughts inside your head you don't just want to sit there and bore your friends with thoughts about Mm -hmm. doctor who you don't want to sit there and talk to the wall you want an outlet to you know to get your feelings and thoughts on something that we love so i'm hoping that these guys will you know, start getting their thoughts down and engaging with our community. So when you see the articles from these guys, if you could um, obviously give them a read, but also uh, just chat to them on Twitter. I've already told them that we have a very vocal, active Mm -hmm. um, uh, community, which they probably know anyway, because they follow. Um, So there'll be, I'm sure there'll be many a comment flying around and, and thoughts and stuff. So welcome aboard. Yeah. And well done guys, because it wasn't, it wasn't an easy choice, was it? We had we had a lot of people apply and a lot of good stuff, and um, and it was yeah, it was really really good to have so many people um, want to be a part of it. So thanks to everyone that entered and everything, um, and well done to you three guys. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was it was a tough choice, and it was very good. You everyone was like really really high standard that sent stuff in, and and um, yeah, so well done guys, really really good, great to have you on board. Well done indeedy. Mm. Shall we land the TARDIS? Yes, go on them. We need to start with some sad news. Yeah. I hate doing this. This is the one bit that I... But we need to obviously mention it and be respectful, but it's just, I just hate saying it. I hate it when... Good people, you know, leave us. Uh, Trevor Martin, you probably heard the name from Classic Who uh, stuff, uh, sadly passed away at the age of 87. Um, Trevor was first in the show, actually, um, in in, um, the War Games. 
Yeah, it's uh, one of the Time Lords, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, you remember him? He was one of the two Time Lords, wasn't he? Was it two or three of them that were standing there who were... Three, I think, yeah. Three, yeah. He was one of those um, who kind of forced uh, the Troughton... Uh, yeah, he was involved in that scene, but he was went on to be more commonly uh, famous um, as starring as the Doctor himself um, in a stage play mm. uh, that was on at the Adelphi back in 1974. Yeah, blimey. And um, uh, it was called uh, Doctor Who... And the Daleks in the Seven Keys to Doomsday. <laughs> it's a good title, isn't it? Yeah, which ran for about a month at the Adelphi Theatre, which apparently did really well. Um, mm. And if uh, one thing I've always wanted to get, and I've seen it in this picture as well, when they showed a picture of Trevor Martin for um, uh, for this article, I always, I'm looking out for one of the posters that they made that was oh, up yeah. at the theatre. They look really, really cool. I know um, what you mean. They got the big, the big Doctor Who logo, and they look very well retro, retro. now, don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so apparently that did really well. It was written by Terence Dix that play, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and it was it ran for a month. Apparently did really well, and um, uh, the companion. Uh, he also went on to do some Big Finish, I believe. I think um, they actually did. They did this uh, particular play, didn't they? They did a, um, a series of like stage plays that they re reenacted, like uh, the Ultimate Adventure with Colin Baker. Yes, and then I think yeah. they did this one. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, um, and then he went on to do a load of TV stuff. He was in the usual that all the all of classic who's people always end up in things like Z Cars, yes. <laughs> um, and the Bill <laughs> and that sort of thing. So he went on to do uh, a load more TV stuff, but. Uh, yeah, it's just very sad that he leaves us. Um, yeah, at age eighty-seven. It, it is sad. Yeah, because I didn't realise he he did that just before Tom Baker took over. Actually, so he sort of played this weird in-between carnation on the stage play, didn't he? According to this, so yeah. uh, I think um, Tom came on board just in the middle of the run of the play, um, and it's weird because. You know, growing up, I've always seen lots of pictures from this play. I don't know about you, mate. There seems yes. to be loads of pictures of him, like with Daleks on zebra crossings and in front of the theatre. So it's always been a bit of an enigma to me what what this is, and quite intriguing. And um, yeah, so it's, it's sad news. But uh, yeah, Trevor Martin, eighty-seven. Yeah, and according to, I'm I'm probably getting this horribly wrong. So please correct me, mate. According to the lady that runs the Who shop in london oh yeah they have the tardis from this stage play don't they or so they think but we think it's not the tardis from the stage play um no no it's not no it's slightly Hold slightly on. wrong there mate no so she says it's the one from the peter cushion tv oh the, uh, the peter cushion movies yeah is, is what she's advertising it as um but um according to clayton hickman it's actually it's a shepperton or I think it's Shepparton Studios police box that's never been in Doctor Who. But we, yeah, I don't want to go too far down that <laughs> yeah, road. Down a rabbit hole, but, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a bit of con- confusion over what it is. But yeah, it was the Peter Cushion movie's TARDIS that she she thinks it is, yeah. So what's there? I'm sure there's something there that was in the stage play. There, is there might be in the, in the shop, museum. Yeah. yeah, there yeah. may well be in the museum. That's but right. yeah. 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 Or it might even be the other TARDIS because she's got another one that you go through to go into the museum. So maybe it's that. I'm not sure. But she's got all sorts of wonderful stuff in that shop <laughs> weird and wonderful stuff yeah so it could well be yeah might have to play it, pay it another visit I haven't been there in three minutes <laughs> yeah well I haven't been there for a while actually <laughs> I, wouldn't mind a, I wouldn't mind a visit <laughs> yeah, it's been a couple of months but there we go Trevor Martin yeah. sadly leaves us 
That's it. Uh, in other news, uh, just a bit of um, bit of rumor news, really, which we don't normally do, but it is quite interesting. So the Daily Mail, oh god, oh those guys, um, they've been shouting out some rumors recently about Series Eleven having uh, a shorter run, so only being uh, ten episodes long, I think, isn't it? Instead of the twelve to thirteen, yes. And uh, and then they're going to be longer eps, apparently. So the rumor is we're going to get ten one-hour episodes uh, instead of you know, like the 12 or 13, 45 minutes that we've been getting. Yes. Um, and I don't know, we keep hearing this thing about it being like a one big story or an overarching story as well, which has been around for quite some time. Yeah. Um, and so they're sort of bit playing up to that. Um, I don't know, mate. I uh, take, you, take you a pinch of salt. I mean, I, I kind of like the sound of the stuff that they've reported. I will be honest, uh, even though I'm taking it with a pinch of salt, I like what they're saying. Um, it sounds interesting. I don't know about this whole overarching story. I'm not too on board with that. It depends how, how it's done. But I like the sound of our episodes. Sounds good. Yeah. And like you said, this is a bit of a rumour. It's not been confirmed, obviously. But the reason mm. why I wanted to include it is because there was loads and loads of opinion about it mm. uh, that, that spread across um, uh, social stuff. And it did get me thinking, I, I mean... An hour-long episode. I mean, that we have reviewed a few, especially of the Capaldi episodes, where we've said that it would have been nice to have a little bit more time to flesh out a certain character or explore yeah. something a little bit more. So maybe that hour slot will enable them to do that. But it does feel... it For some reason, it does feel a little bit more classic Who, mm. this setup, because... Obviously, the classic Who episodes, the majority of them are around just under half an hour. So obviously, if you watch two of them, that's your hour. And it does feel like that. Whereas 45 minutes is kind of that. I mean, don't get me wrong. It does work sometimes because some of the slower episodes that we've reviewed, we said, blimey, if this was any longer than 45 minutes, it would have dragged yeah. on. And <laughs> so it's very much swings and roundabouts, isn't it? And and stuff. But I do quite like it. I do like the idea of having an hour episode. It does I do as long as the, like you just said as long as there's enough to pad it because I sometimes feel writers don't always have enough it's as if they're told they've got to fill that you know if they've got got to fill that hour I want there to be enough to mm. fill it and not sort of because you do like you just said you do sometimes feel that they even struggle to fill 45 minutes sometimes you know there's yes. a little bit of padding going on in there so yeah I'm all up for our episodes as long as we're getting decent writing um to make that hour worth it because otherwise you know i mean i i when they changed the formats 45 minutes for um the six doctors era for colin's era for me it didn't work at all because there wasn't enough going on yeah, i found yeah. i found those episodes like i'm thinking of you know like the two doctors the second part of that you know there's there's 25 minutes of them walking around <laughs> spain doing absolutely nothing and there's no story and so yeah i'm all up for it as long as the writing's there because otherwise yeah it's going to be you're just going to be sat there and thinking, "Gosh, this is a drag." You know, what I mean, it's got it's <laughs> got to be enough. But I don't know. I've got I've got faith in Chibnall. I think he'll be quite good. It just depends which other writers he he goes with, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah I read you. So the other things they've been saying is this stuff about new Sonic, new Tardis interior, new Tardis exterior, and all that, <laughs> which is I don't know. It's kind of a given. I think I think that's pretty much. Yeah, that's a bit obvious, isn't it? That one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't really assume that's going to happen but if you know all the things that you're going to report on that could change in the new series of doctor who a new sonic screwdriver probably isn't that revolutionary because most doctors get a new sonic i reckon he'll you know? get rid of it 
I can honestly, I don't see Chib- Chibnall giving her a Sonic. I don't know. I just got a feeling he's just wanting to take it in such a different direction. Right. I wouldn't be at all surprised if he doesn't do away with the Sonic um, or, or, or very sparsely uses it. I don't know. I just think it's been so prominent since the show come back and he's wants to mix things up so much i don't know we'll see but i I wouldn't be surprised if he really minimalizes the sonic um i'd like to see a new tardis exterior because as much as i love you know the the st john's ambulance sticker and everything i want that to stay but i think we said before actually it looks too clean the tardis for me i I liked it in when it looked a bit more battered like it had actually been through a time vortex rather than looking pristine every week do you know what i mean it needs to look just a little bit more weathered i mean we don't want it going back to like um what what story is it where it collapsed is it the seeds of doom or seeds of death i always get them mixed up but you know we don't want it going back to the tom baker box where it's literally on its last legs about to collapse on some poor assistant but um but you know like the hartnell one looked a bit battered and a bit grubby here and there and so yeah i wouldn't mind seeing just a few little tweaks to it i mean when we saw the picture of um uh, from the new Christmas special, Twice Upon a Time. You know, the two, the old TARDIS next to the new TARDIS. Get rid of that cold kitchen that yeah. we've had for the last few years. Yeah. No, I read you, mate. Yeah, although Capaldi worked it well, but yeah, I'd like to see new. New, new, new. New, 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 new. <laughs> new, 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 new. Yeah. No, I read you. There we go. Take it with a pinch of salt, as Adam said. It is the Daily Mail, yeah. after all. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Yeah. Right, let's get our metal friend in, see what he's banging on about yes get him in match corner match corner match corner i don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted it's a bit rubbish but it's pretty it's very pretty funko pop yay funko we mentioned this a few episodes ago that the, the first doctor william hartner was getting his own funko pop yeah and it's going to happen as part of the New York Comic Con exclusive stuff. And it's now up for pre-order in UK, mm-hmm. which is awesome. So if you go over to Forbidden Planet International, I'm, I'm assuming they've got this on the .com as well. Um, well, not yet they haven't, but I'm sure they will. Yeah, they have, mate. Oh, they've just added it, have they? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was going to say they didn't have. Yeah. Yeah. So fourteen ninety nine, And apparently it's due in Forbidden... Yeah, so around the 20th of October, it's due into their warehouses. And I imagine their warehouses to be uh, <laughs> a little shed somewhere. For, for .com anyway. For, for .co.uk, for been, yeah, I'm not sure. Those guys seem to know what they're doing. But uh, but anyways, uh, 14 that's not too bad. Seeing as they're normally around, what, 12 quid for, a, for a, what is it, a tenner or 12 quid, like your average Funko Pop. And uh, this one as an exclusive is only 15. So I've seen them for 20 quid, the NYCC ones in the past. Mm. So this is not too bad. And this is the definite pre-order, the Hartnell one. He looks awesome. He does look awesome, mate. He does look really good. I must admit, I went as, as soon as I saw this come up for pre-order, I went straight on and the site had completely crashed. It took me two hours to, to get him in the basket. It kept constantly crashing. In fact, I was so worried that i'd ordered him about six times because it kept getting to the paypal bit and then i'd <laughs> confirm order and then it would say come to a reload page and yeah. it was still in my basket and i was like oh, have i have i got him haven't i got him what's going on so i had a nightmare with him trying to get it because <laughs> i really didn't want to miss out on this one i think he's a great funko um i have to say now it's all died down but the, the thing that worries me though is that 
Um, and the thing I was panicking about when I was trying to order him is as I was trying to order him and as the website was cracking up, this is um, uh, ForbiddenPlanet.com I'm talking about. Right. So Forbidden Planet, it's like the, no, sorry, .co.uk, it's international. They were selling out in front of my eyes. So every time I refresh the page to try and get the blimmin thing paid for, they were coming up as sold out. So like the other ones I wanted was the black hole pops, you know, like Vincent and Maximilian. I was really wanted those three. They sold out in front of my eyes. I was like, oh no, if I miss out on the first doctor, I'm going to be gutted. <laughs> so I eventually managed to get him. And amazingly, one of those things worked because it suddenly come up that I'd, you know, with an email confirmation. So I was like, oh God, I was expecting another six emails to come up afterwards saying I've bought it six times, but it didn't. Um, but what worries me about it is that a lot of them are sold out, but the first doctor one, hasn't okay and the dot two pops haven't been selling that well so if an exclusive a brilliant exclusive like this doesn't sell out that worries me because a lot of the others have and you know they're saying that they probably won't do any more dot two pops if the range doesn't you know pick up yeah so yeah. um brilliant as he is and i'm really glad that i did manage to you know get one in the basket but yeah i'm slightly worried that even now he's still one of the ones that you can get on their website, a lot of the other ones have sold, like the black hole ones, sold out straight away, right. and a lot of other ones as well. So that's a bit worrying, mate. To be honest, yeah. In terms of the future of the range, but it's a great pop. I mean, I know you're going to get one, and I, as I say, I've pre-ordered him. So yeah, I've pre-ordered. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. I'm looking forward to him. When's he due out? Is it the end of October? Yeah. So um, there's only a day in it, but ForbiddenPlanet.com, they say the 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 twenty the 20th of October and international say the 21st. So I imagine at some point over that weekend, they'll get them and then you'll probably get them that week following, I would say. So depending on which forbidden planet you order it from, mm. you will get it at either a couple of days after it comes into their warehouse or a couple of months afterwards. So I'm not going to say which one I'll leave it up to you, mm -hmm. um, but go for your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's good to see him finally come up for pre-order anyway. So yeah. And he's a great pop. He's an awesome really do does look good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so from Funkos to Titans, and I'm guessing this is the piece of merch that I like <laughs> that you're not too bothered about. I must admit, though, um, I, I do like the Titan range a lot. Um, but even I am not massively excited about this. But, uh, again, it was a New York Comic Con exclusive that's now come up for pre-order over here, which is the glow-in-the-dark 4.5-inch TARDIS. Um, now, it's pretty cool in its own way. It's just that they've done a million variants of the TARDIS. So even I, someone who loves Titans, wasn't really blown away when this got announced, I'll be honest with you. But, I mean, I liked the last one they did. They did, um, what was it, the sort of pandorica exploding tardis because right. that was a bit different yeah. you know what i mean it, i thought yeah okay i like it it's a bit odd whereas this is just looks like your standard <laughs> 4.5 inch tardis and they've obviously put some glow paint on it which doesn't um, so work. that's with, yeah i was gonna say <laughs> none of the funko pops i've got no. which is supposed to be glow and dark work at all i mean i've got an emperor you know the emperor from star wars funko pop which is supposed to glow in the dark he looks great but he doesn't glow. No, I mean, no. just it's rubbish. Um, so I don't know what this will be like. But anyway, it's up for pre-order now from uh, ForbiddenPlanet.com. Um, I guess it's limited because it was a NYCC exclusive. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll still be getting it because I just like the range and I I want to see what it's like. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I know what you mean, mate. It's not terribly exciting. I know what you in mean. The, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. However, 
I was a little bit of a tease because I, I probably will pick this up because I do will like okay. I do like the I, I'm I'm not too fussed about the Titan range of actual character figures, um, but I do have a soft spot for the Tardis like anything you know that's a Tardis. I've got some of the other you know um, Titan Tardises and Pop Tardises and stuff, so I do like a little Tardis. I must admit. Yeah, yeah, they are cool. Yeah, and I've still got my little. Um, my my little TARDIS that sits on the desk that I know that you don't like, which is the little one that the mints came in. On oh, the mints. I actually do like the tin. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, I do like the tin. My my beef with the TARDIS mints is that um they were in that uh, uh Zavi box exclusive oh. as an exclusive <laughs> item. And I, that's that's the only reason I don't like it is because I was like, well, it's not very exclusive because they got a billion of them in Forbidden Planet. <laughs> so that's my only beef with it because uh, I quite like the little tin. Yeah, when you go in Forbidden Planet, the, the well, the the London megastore anyway, there's like 90,000 of these in a bucket in a, by the door. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's, that's absolutely not exclusive. That's, that's why, that's my only beef with them. It's because yeah, <laughs> I opened the Zavi box. It's supposed to have all these exclusives in. And I was like, that's the first thing I saw. And I was like, wow. Oh, <laughs> so, mate. But it's actually cool. It is a cool little tin. Do you know what? I remember watching your unboxing video of that oh. Zavi box on the geek's handbag. And yeah, it's I, such a disappointment, that uh, box. I was going to say, just the disappointment is showing. It's like, <laughs> like throughout the entire video, you're just like, <laughs> in a nut, go and watch it. if you Guys, if you haven't seen his um, unboxing of the Zavi Doctor Who box on the Geek's Handbag YouTube page, go and give it a watch. In a nutshell, Adam's basically, well, this is a load of beep and <laughs> it's not that great. But the way he tries to just keep the enthusiasm going for the video, I'm it's like, come on, there's got to be some <laughs> bit of positive in there. And it's not too bad, but it's definitely not worth that amount, I would say. No, it's not. I've got my little <laughs> Christmas jumper on. Yeah, ruin my Christmas, that box. But no, go watch the video. It's quite quite funny, actually. Yeah, yeah good. Anyway, but it is, yeah, nothing against the, the tin. We like the TARDIS tin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, last bit of merch. And you guys would have definitely have heard about this by oh, now. Oh, yes. Yes. So we're a big fan of this stuff. I like it. Mm, I, I, I like I, it a lot. I can yeah. see what the BBC are doing here, and I like it. I like it a lot. So Power of the Daleks, if you remember a few months back, the Beeb basically took one of the lost episodes or lost serials and uh, recreated it with animation. So they used the original audio um, uh, files that were still around. But because the video is obviously lost, they've reanimated it and it's all, you know, it's good. It's good. So they've done exactly the same thing with Sharda. Mm. Come on. Sharda! <laughs> <laughs> so Sharda is obviously available on DVD, but it's just Telesnaps, isn't it? And No, it's, uh, uh, what oh, they've done not, is it's... Not Telesnaps. Um, it, it's just the audio track with... Um, what is it's it? It's got... It's got Tom Baker doing a mad uh, uh, narration. narration it's, yeah, right. it's weird. It's so weird. Do you know what? I really feel like watching it again. I, I might, if I get chance afternoon, I'm going to bung it on because it's so long since I've watched it. But it's crazy because they, they've, from what I remember, they've shoved Tom Baker down the, in the basement of a museum or something. And so they've put all the clips that survive that's right in, yeah. and then he and then it suddenly cuts to him in like the basement filling in but it's as if he goes off script it's as if he's just doing whatever he wants because i could just remember he's like just wandering around talking <laughs> random stuff and um yeah but it's uh it's interesting so i'm assuming i don't know what they're going to do with this are they going to are they going to use the surviving clips and then put in the animation because that's kind of what the trailer suggests 
Or are they going to animate the whole... Are you going to be able to watch the whole thing animate? I just, just don't know. Well, I'm hoping there's going to be both on there. That would be cool. That would be good. On the Blu-ray, at least. I'm hoping mm. that... Um, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, if you re- read some of the blur... I mean, this was announced, um, what, a few days back now. It was like one of those nice midnight announcements by the BBC. Yeah, two months after everyone knew about it, but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you know, I must admit these midnight announcements—they can be oh. a little bit of a of a um, anticlimax a lot of the time. But I was quite happy yeah. with this because it's yeah. another really nice um, steelbook to put on the shelf, which I'll come on to in a minute. Mm. Um, so it was announced, really, really cool, and um, just a bit of blurb, just so we've got the the hey ho on it. Uh, so it's being produced by the same people that did the Power of the Daleks. Oh, right, which is really good. Uh, They've had access to nearly seven hours of original footage from the Sharda shoot, uh, from which they are editing that. Um, uh, so they're, they're using that to base the new production on from scratch uh, with all the original film negatives rescanned into HD and digitally oh. remastered. Excellent. Uh, it says they'll not, however, be able, uh, possible to create a, a full HD version of the new production as the original studio video material is locked into SD. So obviously mm. they can't make that HD. You know, you can't make, you can't create stuff that's not there in the first place. Yeah. Uh, how it, so that's pretty good. So all of the, all of the newer stuff that they'll insert into it will be nice HD, but some of the other uh, stuff will be, you know, just standard. And it all looks rather marvellous, I would say. Um, it does. Now, alongside this, we'll come on to the... Um, DVD and Blu-ray in a second. Um, but alongside uh, that stuff, um, there will be a special screening at the BFI South Bank Ooh. on Monday the 23rd of October. Uh, now, this is going to annoy a lot of people. It always annoys me. I know I, I, I'm whinging unnecessarily. I'm aware of that. I know that. But it's, I'm going to say it anyway. So tickets for BFI members will go on sale on the 7th of November and then tickets for the public will be a week later on the 14th. So you're going to be, if, if you're not a member of the BFI, then, um, then you'll, uh, you're, you're going to miss out, I would say, because this they happens all the up. time. Yeah. So if you, re- if this is something that you really, really want to see, um, then you need to be a member of the, you need to go and, you know, become a member so that when tickets go on sale on the 7th of November, you'll get one. Everything will be rosy. If you leave, if you don't you want to become a member and you're going to wait until the 14th, you really need to jump on there straight away in the morning to get a ticket because this happens with everything. Previous Doctor Who events, yeah. Star Wars, the whole lot. BFI members, they just soak it up. All the tickets will, you know, well, most of them will go. Um, yeah, so there's not a screening, sorry, on the Monday, the 23rd of October. That's when information's released by the BFI. Um, so tickets for members, 7th of November, non-members, the 14th of November. And then, yeah, I'm not sure when the actual date of the screening is, but... I think it's the 2nd of December. Is it the 2nd? Um, I had, yeah, right. I did have a look on the... I did do a bit of... Because um, I, I desperately want to go to this. Um, I, I mean, it'd be great because they sometimes have some of the cast there. And imagine if Tom's there and you're watching Charter with Tom Baker, it'd be amazing. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the 2nd of December, the actual sure. showing, but I got to echo what you said, uh, as someone that's tried many a time 
to get tickets to these things um they literally as soon as they go on sale on the to the public they're already pretty much sold out because yeah. the bfi members just snap them up um but they do and you just have to be lucky you, they do sort of release like the odd tickets sometimes closer to the event or even like a following week or i don't know it's a real nightmare because sometimes i think with the power of the daleks premiere i think adam mamoon adam altman messaged me to say there's tickets become available to that sold out and i was like what so so you just have to be really lucky or become a member That's um it. Yeah. It, is, it can be a real pain because they're quite small little um theaters that they show them in really i don't know how many they hold so they don't take a lot to sell out but but i don't know about you mate but i'd i mean obviously i'm going to try and get tickets for this i'd love to see this at the bfi be awesome. um yeah. i think it'd be amazing yeah yeah um okay so that's the that's the event so good luck to anyone that's going to get tickets for that that'd be cool now yeah. on to the dvd and blu-ray bonus material for both of them is exactly the same um there's uh taken out of time which is a nearly a half hour feature which I'm assuming is going to go through the re- the rationale behind you know recreating it and so on. Uh, something called Now and Then, uh, another feature called Strike, 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 which is if you've seen Tom uh, narrate Sharda, you know what that means. Uh, something called Studio Sessions, which is about 45 minutes long. Blimey. Dialogue Sessions, another 15 minutes. There's Model Filming, Deleted Scenes, uh, Title Sequence, uh, and there's going to be live action reference footage as well. Only a few minutes of that, but... Um, so that's really cool. And then there's a few galleries on there as well of all of the production stills and photos and so on. Uh, that sounds quite good, actually. Quite happy with that list of bonus stuff. You normally don't yeah. get that much. So that's all good. Uh, on to the DVD and Blu-ray. Now, prices are not final. They always go down nearer the time. But if you go on to Amazon, I'm sure there are other places that will sell it. But I'm just looking on Amazon at the moment. Uh, you can get the... It comes in a few different versions. There's a digital-only version which you'll be able to pick up, I'm assuming, from things like iTunes or Google Video and stuff like that. Physical media, there's the DVD and the Blu-ray. The DVD at the moment is 20 quid. The standard Blu-ray is 25 quid. But they're also doing this special edition Steelbook Blu-ray as well, uh, which is at the moment on Amazon is 40 quid. Mm. However, I would not really go on that price because, as as you know, mate, when we've pre-ordered steelbooks before it does come down in price with the exception of series two actually the david tennant series two that stuck on its on its launch price it did didn't it 34.99 wouldn't it it was yeah and Mm. um yeah so we had to order that one from zoom if you remember because zoom that's right.co.uk they very kindly gave us a couple of copies to give away as well yeah um so we had to order it from those guys so i'm hoping that the steelbook at least uh, will go down to a bit more of a reasonable reasonable price. Um, I hope so, because it's really nice looking. I don't know who's... It looks slightly different style to the Power Daleks, but it might be the same guy. I don't know. It's very but, comic so, Yeah, I like it. it? It's, yeah, it's very comic book. Yeah. yeah, and it's done in exactly the same... Uh, the characters um, and the, the overall style is done in exactly the same way as the animation that will appear in the, in the show itself, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... I'm really excited about this. Obviously, it's another um, pre-order for me. I'm not sure about you because I'm really liking the Doctor Who steel books that are building up on the shelf. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I definitely want this. I mean, 40 quid, a bit pricey. Like you said, hopefully it'll come down. But yeah, yeah the, it's a definite pre-order for me, the steel book. I think it looks great. I'm really intrigued, actually. They, they've got the... 
original actors to come back and voice it as well. So Tom and Lala have come back. I mean, they the only thing that worries me is um, they obviously do sound a bit different now. I mean, even Tom, <laughs> bless him, on the yeah. big finish stuff, you know, not quite naturally voices have changed. But it's great that they've gone to those lengths, isn't it, to get the original cast back or the original surviving cast anyway back to, to revoice them for the animation. So that's really good. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this, mate. I saw a few um, people were disappointed and i was quite surprised by some people's reaction but i think it was more to do with they there are other stories they'd like to see animated right um right. so you know the only sort of negativity i've seen is sort of people saying oh why couldn't they have done like evil of the daleks or something like that but you know if if they're doing more of these then great just you know support the release because it will mean we get more you know clearly power of the daleks did well enough for them to commission this so yeah i, I hope it sells well so we'll get more animation of lost stories i think it's great and this is a good one i'm i'm really up for this you yeah, know shard is a shard yeah. is a, a strange and it's interesting and it's you know it's, it's a little anomaly in the doctor who's history uh, douglas adams wrote it obviously so it's, it's a cool little story to have in this form so yeah but i i might watch the original to later today i just feel like watching it it's really funny yeah it it's really it's funny. a bit i remember a lot of bonkers costumes <laughs> yeah. uh, and stuff like that so yeah. yeah anyway yeah definite pre-order for me mate what else is uh dalek tat oh no that's it that's it we're that's out of, that's it we're, yeah we're out of tat. and just to finish up on shard <laughs> out it's, of out, tat. <laughs> it's out on the 4th of december so only a, a a little ways little ways away little time to wait so excellent there we go right it's review time oh yes what are we doing this week buddy it's Davison. We both like a bit of Davison, don't we? And uh, this week, um, so we're doing the second part in the Black Guardian trilogy. Uh, and this time it is Terminus. Doctor, talk to Nissa. What is it? I'm not coming with you. What? There's too much to be done here. Tell her she must. Well, you can't stay. It isn't safe. Certainly not until the veneer have sorted out how they're to run Terminus. And with my skills, I can help them. We need you too. I've enjoyed every moment of my time on the TARDIS, and I'll miss you both. But here I have a chance to put into practice the skills I learnt on Traken. Please, Nissa. I'm adamant. Please, let us part in good faith. We do fully understand the commitment you'll be undertaking. Yes. And that life here would be very hard. I'm fully aware of that, but I want to stay. And you're a very brave person. I wish you every luck. She'll die here. Not easily, Tegan. Like you, I'm indestructible. Oh, Nissa. Oh, what a lovely bit of synth music as well. It's lovely. Now get out. <laughs> get out of my TARDIS. <laughs> so Terminus, part two, as Adam said, of the Black Guardian trilogy. It was out in 1983. Oh. Four episodes each, 25 mins. It was written by Stephen Gallagher um, and directed by Mary Ridge. Yeah. And uh, it was overseen, obviously, by John Nathan Turner. Story is thus... The TARDIS, um, uh, with the help of Turlo, um, sort of power systems fail, end up being sort of weirdly merged with another spacecraft. They bump into uh, another couple of people who have also jumped aboard said spacecraft to try and pillage it of its cargo. 
uh, and they find out that it's actually a diseased uh, uh, ship or space station, whatever, called Terminus, which is where a lot of these people called the Lazars uh, end up to supposedly spend out their last days. Um, and it's run by a strange band of what looked like kind of well, it's managed, should I say, not run by. It's run by the uh, Terminus Corporation Limited, I think it's called. Um, but there's a strange group of guards in some very strange armor who Ooh. are overseeing everything. They are exposed to the uh, all of the stuff as well, but they've been kept alive by this uh, substance. I think it's called Hydromel. I think that's what it's called. Uh, so they're basically shuffling all of the diseased people off to their fate. Um, but there's also this weird big dog creature as well that's yes. supposedly curing curing people, but the process is not very um, final or working yet. Uh, and essentially, it's just an escape story. The Doctor um, and uh, sort of pairs off with one of the um, people who also invade the um, spaceship, um, uh, Tegan and... Turlo, they team off as well and it's basically about both of them trying to escape and get back to the TARDIS so they can do the off because um, it turns out that Terminus was responsible for all of creation in the universe apparently yeah um, it started the Big Bang so it's located at the center of the universe and there's a big problem with the ship as well that might create a second Big Bang that will destroy, destroy everything so they're, they're under <laughs> even more pressure to escape and and there we go. And also, it's obviously um, Nissa's final story. She leaves mm. leaves the TARDIS team in this one, decides to stay on Terminus and help out, and they uh, they bugger off without her. So that's Terminus in a nutshell. Yes. What did you think, buddy? Yes. Um, well, well, <laughs> I find this a real slog. <laughs> I I always like. I, I like the first 10 minutes and it always lures me into this false sense of, Oh, this story is better than I remember. And then, but then once I get past that first 10 minutes, I just really struggle with it. I mean, I, you know, for the sake of the review, I was trying not to look at my phone, but golly, by episode three, I was just really like almost clawing the walls thinking, Oh, please end. <laughs> I just, I really don't, I'm really not a fan of the story. And I, it's strange because I want to like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Because, like I said, it's it's mainly just because of the star. I like, you know, this weird idea. I like the, the stuff when the TARDIS is merging with the ship and, you know, they're telling Nissa to go through the door with the big skull on it and she's suddenly in a spaceship and you're like, well, what's going on? How did the TARDIS... How has she gone from the TARDIS through this weird door? And I thought, you know, I find that quite interesting. But once we get past that, mm. uh, all the stuff with the... Um, Lazars and and these guys that those suits I think are supposed to be radiation suits. Well, they're oh, that's it. Yep. They're ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just ridiculous. It's uh, yeah. I, I I don't know, mate. I I find it really hard going. This story. I want to like it, but um, but I really struggle to get past the first episode and yeah, even the end. I mean, it it just kind of goes nowhere. I suppose you know. I keep waiting for it to pick up. I mean, you sort of think in part four maybe things will, you know ramp up a level um but they don't really um and it's weird because i've forgotten it was nissa's last you know i forgot it's the one that nissa goes out in which is really strange because you normally remember 
if it's like yeah. a you know if it's like an exit story for a companion you know like i i uh, as much as like um resurrection of the daleks you know i always think to myself oh that's tegan's last story as well mm-hmm. but with this one i didn't it got to the end and i was like i was, I was like going on wiki i was thinking i'm sure this is comes back i'm sure this isn't the end for nissa is it but it is <laughs> apart from, I think she might've popped back for dimensions in time or something. But so, yeah, I, it's, just, I find this hard going, mate. It's not, I'm not a fan of it. And I, it's just, it's unusual because I really like a lot of Peter's era. There's mm. not much in there that I can't happily sit through, even if it's not the best story. Um, but this one, I just find really dull. Right. It's just, it doesn't hold my attention at all. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I, I've got mixed feelings on it, really, because I really like Davison and the Davison era. Yeah. That, that early 80s um, uh, British TV era has just got a really great feel to it, and I love watching the Davison era. Mm. Um, and I really like the, um, uh, the the music by Roger Lim as well. It's got a cool synthy kind of feel, you know, that early 80s feel to it. And... Um, and the sets, you know, they're a little bit scuffed and, you know, not as much as they were in, you know, Tom's era and, and mm. previously. But, you know, it's still got that kind of rough round the edges feel to it. And uh, and, and, and I really like it. And I like you. I like sitting through most of Davis and stuff. But for this one, I'm not sure. I, I really like the story and I like the concept. And, you know, I can see where they were, what they were trying to do. But it's very slow. And I, and I think anyone that's, Anyone that's watched the special features on this um, DVD will probably know why. Um, the the director Mary Ridge, she was a very um, she was quite um, cinematic, if you like. Quite, um, I'm trying to think of some some decent describing words here. Um, like a, a lot of the. The, a lot of the camera pans and a lot of the editing is very, very drawn out mm. and very slow. So if you look at a lot of the scenes where even some of the fight scenes between some of the guards, um, like the, the fight scene between the Doctor and, and Vanny, even those are not very sort of exciting, you know, and charged. They're, they're quite laid back still. And there's a lot of, lot of shots where... You know, the scene's finished, the dialogue's finished, but there's like a very slow camera pan afterwards, you know, and and then there's another slow pan to sort of ease you into the next scene and stuff like that. So it moves along very, very slowly for most of it. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a difficult watch to get, not diff, that's the wrong word, it, it's, it's kind of a laboured watch to get through, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it's got some good stuff in there. It's got some great stuff, but it just doesn't seem to get, realized as well as you'd like you know on screen but it's not bad it's you know it's not a terror there are worse davison stories to watch uh in terms of you know overall quality of story and script and so on so it's not i mean the script is fairly good and all that yeah. but it's just lacking in a little bit of something I'll, you know i would put it down, a lot of it down to the direction actually yeah, it's yeah. very very like you said, uh, the direction is very laboured and it just, yeah, it really doesn't help the story because, I mean, it is a troubled, you know, they say in the making of it, it was a very troubled production. Mm. Lots of things went wrong. <laughs> Sets weren't ready. They were, you know, weren't erected in the right place, which kind of threw her off um, as a director because apparently she was very precise. Yeah, You know, she liked everything down to fine details. So having the set, you know, even a few 
bits off his mark would have thrown her and yeah apparently it was a very troubled production um and Peter, apparently peter davison was getting quite um distraught throughout it because of all the problems and you know was sort of saying well that this isn't going to make sense if we shoot it on this set because it's the wrong set and you know so he was getting involved and yeah so i don't know you can sort of tell i think from watching it that um I think perhaps the cast are trying, but you do get the feeling that it's just not flowing. It's not coming yeah. together yeah. Um, very well. And the sets are so dull as yeah. well, which yeah. doesn't help. I mean, they don't look finished, um, some of them. I mean, that bit where he's looking at the... Uh, what's it supposed to be? That that thing that's going to explode, that big round ball. Oh, one of the engines. The, the uh, engines. Yeah. There's nothing around it. It's just black space around it and stuff. And I kept thinking, wow, it's as if they've just wheeled that on and said, where's the rest of the set? Well, no, no time for that now. Just go. Uh, we'll sort it out in the edit. Well, you know, and it's just, yeah, it, it, you know, it doesn't help to make it. It's not very visually exciting at all, this story. Um, as I said, the only sort of bits I found visually exciting really was the beginning when we're in the TARDIS and we're getting to see some TARDIS corridors and that bit with the skull door. I thought this is all good, but then we get into the bland gray sets and those awful costumes, those radiation suits, which are so noisy must have um, driven the sound people mad. I should think uh, yeah. clunking yeah. around the sets when they're trying to have a fight, which they clearly can't even move in the costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and you're right, mate, the fights are like something out of sixties um, doctor who they're so planned and awkward and badly shot that you know you just sit there thinking oh dearie me yeah Yeah. but i do put a lot of it down direction i mean i think she's probably tried to do the best but she what basically wasn't the right choice to direct this story you know it's not really her fault i'm not criticizing her as a director herself but she wasn't right to direct story because it's it's really bland absolutely mate and that's no uh, huge criticism to her as a director i think Mm. um she did a couple of your fave mates. She did a couple of Blake Seven. She did so, yeah, she yeah. did. Yeah, so I know she can do good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was just, and you're right. The whole thing does look a, a little bit, a little bit bland. And I think, mm. uh, you know, I think Peter Davison sums up pretty well if you look at his interview on. He's great on the interview, isn't he? Yeah, because the, one of the things that's great about Davison on any of the uh, interviews that he does on the special features is that he's, he never. Um, he never sugarcoats anything for the sake no. of just because he was the doctor and involved in it. And now he's, you know, he's, he's talking about it because you do get the feeling that with some of the actors on those interviews, they're a little bit timid in terms of they don't really want to criticize too much because, you know, they're probably very good friends still with the people who made it and star in it and so on. You yeah, know, don't want to. But Davison's not like that at all, and I really respect him for that. That's what I love about him. Yeah, yeah. He will say, like he did with this one, he basically says he's just not very good. Mm. You know, he, he essentially, you know, he doesn't say those words, but he essentially is saying he's not really a fan of this one. Didn't really enjoy making it because the script wasn't very good, the overall story wasn't great, and it just doesn't seem to go anywhere. Yeah, and that he kind of sums it up really. But he did, he did say that. Um that during the the production of it that morale wasn't necessarily low but you but everybody was still very flat there wasn't any mm. great enthusiasm put into it and it wasn't you know and that definitely shows on screen as you watch through it everybody's very much just kind of you know going through it you know just to get the scene done and there's no real there, there isn't there isn't any one performance in this whole ser- in this whole four parts 
that I thought, well, I'm, you know, he's really earning his acting or his or hers acting stripes here. They're really going for it. There's no mm. standout moments in any no, of it. No, there's no, there's no, is there? No, you're right. I mean, it's because there's a few, there's quite a few cast members in there and you get like people like um, Lisa Goddard, who was quite a well-known name back then. You know, you got yeah. people like that in it, but they just don't stand, none of them stand out at all. No. And um, and uh, Tegan and Turlow spend, what, two episodes trapped in a, underground um like a little uh, ventilation ventilation shaft the floor yeah i mean they must have been so bored um you know because they do it's literally two episodes isn't it They're just going round around this ventilation uh-huh. shaft and stuff uh, i mean stephen gallagher says that he thinks it kind of gets lost between two bigger stories um there's probably s- some truth to that but at the end of the day it is you know out of the black guardian trilogy I th- for me it's definitely the weakest story by far i mean i we reviewed the first part um mordred undead didn't we which i think we both quite enjoyed from what i remember i know i like it i think you quite enjoyed it i can't remember what we scored it um back in episode 98 was it yeah i think um I gave it a 6.5. You gave it a 7.5. All right. So, so we thought it was middle scores, in the road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that, was it episode 98? Uh, 98 back at the eight, on the 8th of July last year. Yeah. Yep. If you want, yeah. If you want to hear our thoughts. So we thought that was an okay watch. I remember liking all the stuff with the Brick Deer. Yeah. So, but I remember there was, there was, there was lots going on in that. And this sort of feels like there's nothing going on in it. So like you said, there's quite a cool concept there with all the lasers and this, plague or you know radiation whatever so you got all that you think that's quite interesting and they got these things that they you know put into their um chest pieces which you know keeps yeah hydromel that keeps them going that's quite interesting and and then there's this corporation that we hear about that's you know doing all this stuff and so that could have sort of been quite interesting but we don't really explore that much do we so you know like you said there's a few interesting bits going on in there i can see where stephen gallagher was sort of going with it but um yeah it just doesn't get realized very well on screen really especially when the big bear dog the dog thing thing yeah. wolf the gum the gum yeah. when he come into it because again i mean i don't know how but i'd forgotten about him and he comes <laughs> on screen and i'm like what's this now <laughs> you know what is going on here like what is he supposed to be yeah um yeah, yeah it's it's a bit of a str- strange one yeah it is a bit and it does don't get me wrong it does have a little bit of a uh it does have one of those feelings because with some Doctor Who episodes, it's very much about latching onto something like it could be um, a particular characters or a group of characters are really good, or it could be that a certain set and special effect is really good and that carries it a little bit, or the Doctor mm. in that episode is great. In this one, like I said, there's nothing that stands out, but there is a there is a kind of quiet, um, interesting feel to it you know because not everything needs to be in your face explosions action everything going on so there there is a kind of quietness to it that i don't know quietness there is a um sort of reserved more story-led feel to it which is which is okay if i'm trying to explain this right um but it suffers from not a decent enough climax to it so yeah. with some of those other stories where it's potentially quiet in a good way, you know, it's, you know, it's paced fairly, um, 
you know it's it's held back a bit some stories in their pacing but the payoff's really good because there's a good climax and a good finish or you know the cliffhangers are good and mm. and that stuff and it's a it's a rewarding watch at the end this one doesn't really have that so it doesn't have the payoff at the end that you would you were hoping for no in fact i was quite annoyed with the ending because i couldn't remember how it ended and it's the, the last bit is the black guardian telling turlo kill him kill the doctor now and i'm thinking oh come on <laughs> it's just like <laughs> this whole thing starts to annoy me after mordred undead like it, it was okay in that because it introduces turlo and you know the black guardian keeps popping in now and again <laughs> to tell him what to do that that works okay in that story yeah. in this one to me it feels very um jarring Mm-hmm. So it's it's just there when they need to, you know, feel like a little couple of minutes of Turlo on his own. And then you just know that Tegan's going to come around the corner and say, who are you talking to? Oh, no one. You know, it's just like, <laughs> so I found it quite jarring in this story. And I can't remember what it's like in the in the third part, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I quite like the Black Guardian in Morden Undead. But in this, he just annoys me. And at the <laughs> end, I'm just thinking... This whole thing—it can't be that difficult to to kill someone. It's it's, it's getting a bit silly now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And the way you're trying to kill him is is, is just—you're just going round in circles. There's no way you're gonna do it. You know, you keep doing all these elaborate plans. It's just ridiculous. So, yeah. yeah. But to, you know, by this point, I'm just thinking it's getting a bit farcical, really. All this kill the doctor stuff. So I really didn't like the cliff. You know, the sort of last line in the episode four i just thought when it ended i was just thinking oh dearie me it didn't sort of make me want to rush on and watch enlightenment if you know what i mean no i agree mate yeah so that yeah. I, I mean i quite like um valentine deal he's doing a really i do yeah he's doing a really you know the voice is brilliant <laughs> yeah isn't it? yeah you know it's it's he's a decent decent character and good performance in it mm. it's just a bit repetitive where you know every every sort of six seven minutes in each episode you have turlo kind of hiding around a corner with his little communicator mm-hmm. and then you just hear Bye. you just hear him like go and kill the doctor and he's like oh, i don't know and then he goes off and does something else completely unrelated to his mission and then another five minutes later you'll see him hide in another corner and the the guardian's like well, have you done this yet he's like no right punishment blood you know <laughs> and, and and that just seems to go on and on and on you know and we all know full well that he's not going to kill the doctor even if he wanted to he's, com- he's a little bit useless yeah um so yeah davison says that in the making of doesn't he? he's like they just wrote this character but they kind of wrote him into a corner right from the get-go really because yes. where yeah. can you go with it you know you know the doctor's not going to get killed by him so you're just going to keep going around in circles. The only thing I would say is it is quite funny when Tegan, especially in the first scene, I love how abrupt Tegan is with him. She's on to Turlo straight away and she, she's like, you're oh, yeah, up to yeah. something. She's not taking any nonsense. And that did make me laugh. I did yeah. did like the early interaction between Tegan and Turlo. I thought it was quite interesting dynamic because he's just sort of thinks he's, you know, fitted into the TARDIS straight away and she's just having none of it. Mm-hmm. And I loved that because that's just Tegan all over, isn't it? So what are you doing here? You know, so I like that. But for for Nissa's like last story, it's not it's not a very good send-off for her. She doesn't really get that much to do. She gets tied up a lot, and she loses most of her clothes. And <laughs> that's bizarre as well, isn't it? When she starts stripping off. Yeah. She's just walking around in the 90 for most of it. It's all a bit odd it's not uh, a very fitting send because it's not no you don't know that she's going to go until the you know halfway through episode four really up yeah. until that point you just assume that 
you know, she, the doctor's going to save her or somebody's going to save her and then we're off again. It's not until all of a sudden she's like, oh, I'm not coming now. You know, I'll see you guys later. You know, it's been nice. And that's it. And there's no, like you said, some um, some episodes where, well, actually most episodes where a companion leaves, it's a bit of an event almost, you know. It's a, mm. it's kind of a, you know, I'm not saying it overtakes the story's purpose, but you you definitely know that, oh, that's, oh, I know that story. That's when so-and-so leaves. Or that's when, you know, we lose so-and-so. But with this one, like you, mate, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the one where Nissa goes. Yeah, and, and I, would, I mean, would she, and also the reason for her leaving, I can kind of buy into that because, you know, Nissa is quite good, supposed to be quite clever, and you can imagine she might want to stay behind and save these people and stuff. So I can kind of buy into that. But like you said, there's no real build-up to it. So if we'd have got to know some of those other characters that briefly talk to her and tell her, they've got this, you know, radiation illness or whatever, you know, then maybe we could have seen why Nissa was so caring about them. Yeah. But yeah. It, it, like you said, it's a little bit out of the blue. I mean, with with uh, Tegan's exit at the end of Resurrection, yeah, we don't really get much of a build-up, but we, we totally understand her reasoning because there is so much killing in that blimmin' story that she just says she's sick of it, she can't handle it, she's had enough, and you think, well, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think maybe if I was travelling with a doctor and I was just seeing you know, all these people getting killed all around me, maybe I'd think, you know what, I might leave. So you can kind of see that. So it's not so abrupt. But with this one, I did feel a little bit like, okay, we've got to write Nissa out. So, uh, yeah, she decides she's going to stay and help all these people. It didn't feel very natural. Hmm. Um, and the, she, um, what's her name? Sarah Sutton. <laughs> she didn't particularly want to leave, did she? It wasn't her choice to leave. She says in the making of that they they just decided that um, – you know, it was time to get rid of another companion. And yeah. so her contract wasn't renewed. So it wasn't her choice to leave particularly. So I think she was a little bit upset as well. They were real tears yeah. when she, in that clip that we played. Which um, is surprising because I didn't think she looked particularly upset, but apparently <laughs> she was really upset. So Yeah, they were, she actually was crying quite quite a lot. Those last scenes. Well, actually, no, the, that scene that she filmed with with her leaving, that wasn't her last ever scene. Uh, you know part of the production but yeah apparently it was real she was gutted to be leaving she didn't want to go it must be odd though because they you know it's a bit like with adric isn't it they (laughs) they say well we've got too many tardis crew we've got to get rid of one (laughs) and you think well that's fair enough because there's quite a lot so they get rid of one and then they almost immediately bring in a new one (laughs) and then say oh we've got turley now so better get rid of one of you. So it's yeah, almost as if yeah. like, you know, we got too many, but uh, we'll get another one, see how it goes. And I don't know, it's all a bit, a bit haphazard, isn't it? But, a little bit. Yeah, so I feel a little bit sorry for uh, Sarah Sutton, really, because I quite like the character of Nissa. I think she's all right. And I agree with Peter Davison when he says that there's a lot of potential not tapped into mm. with her character. She does always, sometimes she just gets locked in the TARDIS to build a device for three episodes in visitation or, you know, she, she's supposed to be quite a clever sort of character. And she had a fairly interesting backstory as well, didn't she, with her dad, you know, being taken over by the master and all that. So there's quite a lot that could have been explored. I think Big Finish um, went a lot deeper with her character. I know there was some massive story arc with her, which I never really managed to get into, but I know Big Finish did some good stuff with with um, the character of Nyssa. But yeah, she doesn't really get much of that on on screen i don't think yeah I, we, she does have a pretty good i mean we've, going back to like you know the track and stuff you know that's all quite cool and yeah i like that she yeah it's got a decent uh backstory there somewhere 
Um, Driving me mad trying to think what's a dad's name in in Sharkin. <laughs> because yeah. the master takes it, doesn't he? I'm going to have to look it up. Don't uh, know why. It's just, just going to bug me. Because she sometimes mentions him, doesn't she? Yeah. She, I think... She's like, my dad, so-and-so. Oh, I uh, remember. Luvik? No. Saron? No. Oh, I can't remember. I, can't, I haven't seen Trark. When did we... Did we oh, anyway. It was ages ago. I'll come back to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, so she had a fairly decent introduction to the show. You know, she was brought in, you know, fairly decently, I thought, when in those uh, earlier episodes. But her yeah, exit but... just doesn't do it justice, really. It's a bit, bit of a no-show. Yeah, tree mass, of course. Tree tree, it's a, it's yeah. an anagram of master, isn't it? How could I forget? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tree mass. So yeah. her father, tree mass. So that was all quite interesting. Yeah, I, mm. I like Trarkin. I think it's an interesting story. And yeah, so they could have explored a bit more. And it is a bit of a uh, a dull send off for the character, I think. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, and what did you think to um, sort of this concept? Because it's a bit of a forerunner to the Caves of Androzani kind of story. It's one of those story ideas where you've got somebody who's it's like supply and demand you've got a, a greedy kind of corporation that's you know just yeah. supplying stuff because with caves we have the um the spectrox stuff that's being supplied by um those guys aren't we to keep people young and youthful that's um, right, and in yeah. this one we've got the hydromel that's being supplied by the corporation to keep the, the guards alive um, even though they've got no hope of any you know that their, their prospects look very very slight bleak yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of slave labor in a way, really. They're not really going to go anywhere. They're just being kept there to, to do their jobs. Um, but I quite like that concept. It's just a real shame that we didn't see or hear anything to do with anybody else involved with Terminus Incorporated. Yeah, it's that definitely of, could have been explored know, more. Yeah. yeah. So with, I mean, I'm not saying that, or maybe Caves of Androzani would have been a different story if they had have had this, because with Caves, mm. we do actually see the people behind that corporation, like the evil you know, politicians and, and business people and stuff that are just doing it for the money and stuff. Yeah, whereas, true. You know, whereas mm. with this one, all it is really is just this invisible thing that we just that's got a name, but we can't put any kind of voice or face to anything. It's just because they, they mention it quite a lot. You know, they say that, you know, the guards say that if we do, because when the Doctor and Nissa say, you know, we can you know, resynthesize this hydromel and you can create your own and, you know, you won't have to rely on them anymore. And they say, yeah, but they'll send guards and kill us and all that. Um, yeah. And then when they get quizzed earlier, they're like, oh, we don't see anything. They just ship the people here. We take them, you know, whatever. So it's described to us via various conversations with the characters, but we never actually see or hear of anything. So it kind of makes it difficult to to relate to anything or associate any feelings towards anything to do with Terminus. It's just a name that's floating mm. around in midair. That's a, this invisible thing. So I would have liked to have seen more of that stuff. Maybe they could have put a face to something, you know, if we think about, you know, the methods that could be used, you know, sci-fi back in the day, all it could have taken really is a face on a computer monitor somebody mm. behind a desk working at Terminus's head office somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, all it would have taken was something to, to to get you to think, you know, oh, Terminus is a real thing, you mm. know, so it's a real horrible threat. It's treating people really badly. You know, let's see some evil, you know, dictator somewhere that's, you know, throwing all these, you know, slave labour everywhere and everything, but he's sitting in a nice cushy whatever, 
but yeah, we just never see that. And I would like to, because like we said, it's a bit slow over the four parts. So mm. they could have injected that a little bit in and spiced the story up a little bit with that. I'm not rewriting history, but you know, they could have mm. done something to to do that perhaps. But what did you think to the whole concept? It's a bit like caves, but a bit not as well implemented, but. Yeah, I, mean, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about it being a bit like caves, but I do see what you mean. Um, yeah, it would have been nice if they had done that because it would have would have ejected a, an, a bit more threat into it and another element. And I suppose that would have helped with, you know, like you said, visualizing this world that's sort of half created yeah. in the story. Cause, and also you get really, one of the things I find with the story is because you get so bored of those same gloomy <laughs> sets that it would have been nice if we'd have just moved away or done, you know, send something else to keep us engaged in the story. Cause, uh, yeah, we, we only really get like those few gloomy sets for like pretty much the whole story, don't we? Yeah, Which yeah. doesn't help to make it, um, very engaging. So yeah, if we'd have had more about this corporation, I think that, like you said, it probably wouldn't have taken that much. You're right. It could have just been, you know, a fuzzy screen glitching in and out with something. Well, you better watch it. I don't know. They, they could have added more in. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And it also, it, it's kind of a big thing. The the, 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 the end up, the, the final product of what Terminus is and how it, you know, its effect is pretty huge because mm. they describe it as event one, which is the Big Bang, which is the creation of everything. You yeah. Know, it's located in, you know, the, the center of the known universe. So, you know, that's quite a huge concept in itself. Mm. So I would have thought that that deserved a bit more uh, exploration into what Terminus was or is or what it's going to be. But it's left very loose. It's, it's very vague, yeah. Very vague, like you say, yeah. So um, so what do you think to the guards then this, the, the, in their clunky armor and stuff? Because oh. I'm not sure. One of the one of the people did mention it in the interviews for the for it to say that they were confused why the the, the armor looks like sort of skeleton you know yeah. skeletal sort of design and it's absolutely not going to stop any radiation from no from you know reaching your body so on one hand i quite like them they do look okay from a distance but on the other hand yeah it all seems a bit superfluous because the costumes obviously don't do anything to stop radiation and the masks, as somebody also said in the interviews, that when the masks were down, you can't hear the actors. So they end up just walking around with their mask lifted yeah. up anyway. It's a pointless, <laughs> it's a completely pointless costume, if you get what I mean. Yeah, I think they, the costumes belong in another story, really, don't they? They don't <laughs> yeah. They don't visualize what they're meant to do. They're not a radiation suit. They're never going to stop any radiation. And they don't even like, you know, I probably, that could have gone right over my head if I hadn't sort of been paying attention for the review. I think if I was a casual viewer, I wouldn't even know what was going on because mm. I was, you know, I wouldn't even connect the fact they're supposed to be radiation suits or whatever. So, but, but I do, I agree with you. They're quite an interesting design. So I think if they were in another story, you know, because they're quite tribal, looking aren't they so i don't know if they were in like kinder or something like that um i think they can be quite cool (laughs) costumes but yeah in terms of what they're meant to be in this story they they, they're ridiculous really um but i agree with you i quite quite like the look of them i just yeah they're just not right (laughs) for this story really Um, especially the masks and that you know they are quite interesting designs but um but yeah they're very tribal i think they should have just they should have used him in someone else. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Yeah, they do yeah. belong in another story for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't too enamoured with those designs, really. Uh, at first glance, they look cool. You think, mm. oh, these look interesting and cool. Interesting, but yeah. then as the story is explained, 
you kind of think, well, their function is completely, you know, pointless. It's never going to work. They look really uncomfortable as well. Yeah. They don't know. They? they look like they're strapped onto the poor old actors. I just, I can't imagine they could move much in them. No. It's probably why the fight scenes are so bad. It's got classic shades of like original Stormtrooper from episode mm. four. You know, st- it, you know when you can hear all of the because it's constructed of plastic and everything. Yeah. So as you're walking around, you can hear it all clunking together, and it's <laughs> yeah, it's not good. No, it's, it's not, not good, good. No. Um, what did you think to the Garm then? To this giant dog kind of character that. Um, so I didn't. I didn't clock this. It wasn't until I watched the interviews um, that, that um, Stephen Gallagher, the writer, said that the the Garm, this big sort of dog character, takes the sick people, carries them off somewhere, and does this experiment, which supposedly does cure them. Um, and Nissa does say, "Yeah, it does work. I've been cured, but you know, it's mm. not. Um, it, it's it's not." it's not working properly or there's risks involved or something like that. Um, and apparently the reason why they chose a, a dog style character is because it's meant to symbolize, you know, uh, like the hounds of hell, you know, apparently oh. throughout history and mythology, like, you know, dogs have always been associated with hell, like, you know, and they, in, it's meant to symbolize this dog character taking these characters to hell, if you like. I, yeah, I, that did that just, not occur to me no, at all. No, it went completely over my head. I didn't clock that. I didn't no. think about that when I was watching it at all. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not really, I can't really read too much into that. It doesn't really make sense to me because it's a, they're on a spaceship, um, you know, and it's not, I, I can see where he was going with it. But it, again, that's something else in the story that doesn't really get properly uh sort of realized and executed that well it's um because that they did say that what he originally wanted was to not see the dog character the garm at all you just Mm. he just wanted it to be like this kind of shadowy figure that you saw in the in the darkness and all you saw was it's like glowing red eyes and that would have been brilliant that would have been much better but instead we see this kind of children's tv costume it looks really bad that looks you know pretty terrible um, mm. so I don't know how you feel about that character it was a bit it felt a little bit uh... he comes into it he comes into it in episode 3 doesn't he and I remember sort of thinking what's what's that because <laughs> um, it doesn't look very good no it would have been so much better if they'd have because he's got the glowing red eyes they've got that bit of the brief right <laughs> but they've they just he just walks out and it's so you know onto the overlit studio and it doesn't look very good but yeah no if they'd have kept him in the dark a bit because um, he's so big as well, it makes him look quite comical, doesn't it? The way he just sort of shuffles out and they all think he's evil and try and shoot the poor guy and he's actually trying to do him a good <laughs> deed. Um, and funny enough, you're saying about the long shots in direction. When Davison sets him free, mm. when he smashes that box, I thought he was going to die because I was like, because there was so much long um, sort of, shots of seriousness yeah i was thinking "Uh uh-oh why doesn't the doctor want to break the box does that kill him or something so he smashes the box and we get like a long shot of the Mm. gal i think garm the garm yeah and i was waiting for his little eyes to go out or something i thought oh dear is that the end of the garm so we get this sort of long shot of his face (laughs) and nothing happens and then the doctor's like there you go he's free now like oh he's always free i thought he was dying (laughs) (laughs) you know so the garm lives to see another day but yeah it's a strange concept but it it does make more sense like you said when when the writer explains 
the idea behind him, but but I don't think that comes through in the story at no, all. Just not I didn't. Realized. I would not no. have got that. No. no, no. Probably better in the book. You know, I'm sure it's explained better in the book. But uh, no, I didn't get that. Yeah, probably. I mean, the the majority of the Target books, the novelizations, they do a fairly decent job of fleshing out a bit more. That's that you, right. That you don't really see. So maybe the book yeah, is a. I've just realised it's written. The uh, target book's written by a different writer as well. I wondered if it was if it was good old Uncle Terence that, because he's really good at, at fleshing yeah, out yeah. stories that need it. But no, somebody called John Ledecker. Ledecker. Uh, John Lidecker. Oh yeah. Yep. No, he, I don't know him. He's wrote a few. Has he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so maybe the book's a better option than than the actual episode. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, yeah so um, let's talk about some characters then. Yes. Uh, so we have the. Uh, let's talk about the two, mm-hmm. um, uh, the two uh, raiders who also yeah. board the ship. Um, so we have Kari, played by Lisa Goddard, and Olvir, played by Dominic Gard. So these oh, two, God. they're they're there as kind of pirates, if you like. They're there to sort of raid the ship of all its cargo and yeah, and uh, and do the off ski, but they've been abandoned. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And they bump into the doctor and so on. And after an initial scuffle that we always have in Who, uh, you're a threat. No, I'm not. I'm the doctor. Oh, okay. Let's work together. Yeah. Um, so the, the doctor and and Kari, Lisa Goddard, they go off pretty much the entire story. And Olvir just sort of wanders around with, you know, phenomenal eyeshadow, uh, just sort of bumping into people and, you know, a bit, under, a bit of undercover work, a bit of. Uh, a couple, a couple of scuffles, uh, screaming after Nissa, and that's his lot. <laughs> yeah, and they they both have to wear these ridiculous space helmets, <laughs> oh, don't they? Which God. they have to turn sideways to get off. Oh, they're, they're crazy, God. crazy designs. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's because Lisa's got such big hair. It's the only space helmet that'll fit that massive bouffant that's eight his bouffant that she's got. Um, Did you not uh, think though that the that the shape of the space helmets was this? ridiculous it's like a upside down tri- rounded triangle wasn't it it was this massive <laughs> but when they take them off there's no there's nothing that's joining the, no. the top to the spacesuit or anything it, all it is it's is a, just resting on their show on it, their neck it would do nothing <laughs> it's another thing that's it. pointless isn't it <laughs> it's pointless yeah pointless um those characters though they could have been uh they could have been develop much more couldn't they because you like like you said they sound quite exciting on paper don't they raiders yes they're in that spaceship yep. to raid it all but they're really dull <laughs> Even, you know lisa goddard as i said quite a well name back then yeah so um when she read the script what you know what excited her to, to take that part because um yeah they're both pretty dull i think i mean dominic guard who played uh how do you say his name olver 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 i think olver yep. he gets you know he gets to sort of starts to get to sort of know Nissa a bit and you think that might develop. You think, oh, okay, so maybe, you know, he's, he seems to have a sort of slightly more compassionate side to him and he's willing to sort of try and help and get things, you know, back to normal. But then, yeah, that, does, again, doesn't really get developed, unfortunately. So they're, they're quite exciting in that first 10 minutes I mentioned, <laughs> you yes. know, when they're going to yeah. have a, a to-do with the Doctor. But, yeah, like you said, after that, they, they don't do anything, do they? Not really. I don't even know a... if they survive. I can't even remember what happens to um, Kari. What happens to Lisa Goddard? She gets shot, or no, no, she's just. Um... I only watched it yesterday as well. I can't even remember what happens to her. Yeah, and I don't think anything happens to her. I think they just hang around on the ship 
because there oh. is a scene where her and Olvira are there. They're sort of chilled out. And yeah. and she says, and he says, to her, so have you got any idea about how we're going to get home? And she says, well, I'm about to. But you don't see what they do. Right. Yeah. Like I guess right. there's not much between her and Davidson either. Normally, if you get a guest star in like that, you'd yeah. have a few scenes with the doctor. I think she does get one um, where he's like saying, you know, a bit of help would be nice when he's being strangled. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But Lisa Goddard, she, um, she has quite a connection to who because she was married to mm. Colin Baker, wasn't she? Yes, she was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think not she, anymore, but she was. <laughs> she was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she also had a little bit of a fling, didn't she? A little bit of a thing with old Mark Strickson. Did she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did not know that, you old gossip. I didn't know that. Yeah. How do you know these things? Oh, well, she's been around a bit, mate. And she also, she had another, she had a bit of another <laughs> fling with old Mr. Uh, Fraser Hines. No. Yeah. Oh, Fraser. Well, he's a lad, isn't he? That doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Live how do you know these things? Anyway, uh, I know she was also married to Elvin Stardust. <laughs> that makes, yeah, we, we. So, yeah. He was on set a couple of times, apparently. Oh, golly. Yeah. Well, I did not know that Fraser, you little. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I thought her character was not brilliant. Um, no. I mean, that's par for the course, unfortunately, for this story. The, the cast are not terrible, but they're not brilliant either. They're very. You know, they're all strumming the mediocre um, strings very nicely. Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, and Olvir as well, Dominic Gard, he's a bit of a wet blanket as well. He's, you know. Who's the one that's dying who's gone a bit do lally? He's like, oh, he's talking nonsense. He's got all scarred face. and Yeah, I think that's, I'm, yeah, I'm terrible with, with all this stuff, but I think, I think that's a guy called Peter Benson. And right, I think his okay. character name is Boar. Yeah, that's him, I, I think. think. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Because I remember thinking, Boar, God, what an appropriate name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yes, it's, um, yeah, and he was a bit strange as well because there's a, I mean, it was quite enjoyable actually watching his scenes. You know, after he'd been exposed to all the radiation and he'd been rescued, he's, yeah. he's then just up in the clouds for the, the rest of the story, isn't he? He's, well, well, he's the character, you know, like we say, sometimes there's like one character that will just stand out in a really boring story yeah, yeah. that just you might think, oh, well, he was quite good. He was the one that when he first came into it, I thought, oh, well, he might be he might be interested because he seems a bit mad and he's, yeah. you know, so he might be good. But no, he's he's not good. Uh, well, he's all right, but he doesn't he doesn't stand out enough either. But he could have been, couldn't he? He could have been that one yes. character that you yeah. sort of thought, ah, he sticks in my mind as being a bit interesting but sadly not sadly not no um and there was like the main dude wasn't there from... who's the guy with the longish hair that's getting wants a fight all the time what's i think his name's valgard, is he valgard? Yeah, yeah i was gonna say yeah because he he's the main dude isn't he because he cause mm. kind of leads a bit of a rebellion against the actual leader i think his name's iraq yeah iraq yeah. i think his name was he's the guy that's sort of in charge of all the of all the um the guards what are they called they've got a name haven't they what are they called well i couldn't tell you i'd, I'd probably he, switch yeah he's the guy that's in charge and uh valgard sort of rises up and says look if mm. i go off and capture said stowaways and make mm. it back then you have to give up your position as leader and i'll take over that's it yeah yeah he's yeah. always up for a bit of a 
Bit of a scrap. Bit of a scrap, yeah. Uh, so I thought he was okay in a couple of scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, not too bad. He's He's got a bit more go in him, at least, yeah. Yes, yeah. And I thought um, uh, the guy, the, the, the current leader, Iraq, I thought he was not too bad. I thought he was a vampire at one point. Yeah. He had that classic, <laughs> you know, almost white skin and he long He does, it's the eyes and everything. Yeah, I thought that as well. Yeah. It reminded me of something out of um, State of Decay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I thought those guys, they weren't too... And there was another guy knocking around as well, Sigard, uh, Sigard. He's like the one that's sort of in, torn between. He's like, don't talk to our leader like that. But then at the oh, end, it's yeah. like... I'd oh, yeah. I've forgotten about him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we have the guards, you know, they're not doing anything. Ambling around, amazing. clunking around, yeah. Precisely, yeah. yeah. It's annoying me that I can't remember their collective name. It's definitely something... Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'm afraid it. I wasn't engaged enough to note it down. <laughs> I don't know. Me either. No. Yeah, anyways. The listeners will know. Let's talk about our TARDIS team then. Yes. Let's talk about um, uh, Tegan and Turlow to begin mm. with because they they kind of get literally boxed off for they the do. entire story. They They have a little bit of a... Because they don't really like each other, do they? I mean, Turlo, no. you know, he's there to kill the Doctor. He's been planted there by the, the Black Guardian. Uh, and we have uh, Tegan, who's, like you say, very... She's she, She's got his number straight away. She's on to him, yeah. yeah. And uh, But I, I love the fact they have an argument over a roundel in the, the first roundel. five minutes. Don't they have a right old to-do over a roundel? Yeah. He's like, go on then, report report me and tell him about the roundel. And she's like, well, I might. And he's like, well, see how stupid you look. And all that. So I, I did really enjoy that first little scene hmm. because it just I thought it was quite funny and I love it when Tegan's throwing her weight around. And um, I actually thought she... She she kind of stood out in a very mediocre story, even but only in that first bit. Do you know what I mean? I was really liking Tegan in this, giving old Turlo what for. So, but yeah, I don't know. They were fun at the beginning, but like you said, unfortunately, they just kind of get sidelined and yeah. locked away for the rest, which is a real shame actually, because there's there's quite a good little feisty dynamic between the two of them. There is, um, yeah. To begin with, yeah. I don't know. I'm assuming we pick up. Uh, pick back up on that on the next story i really can't remember but yeah so i thought they were quite quite good with what they had to do those two but yeah nothing didn't stand out you know yeah um yeah when they do work fairly well together in enlightenment yeah i just it's Um, so long since i've watched it i can't remember but yeah yeah um but yeah in this one it does start off a bit ropey they have a bit of a a bit of a tiff don't they at the beginning she's on to him he's trying to cover it up and play cool and and then yeah unfortunately for the rest of it they just repeatedly go up and down the uh the set the under the floor ventilation thing whatever it is yeah and that's it really just up and down up and down up and down and at the end they just sort of they see nissa say goodbye while tegan does and and that's it and then like i said earlier turlo's just constantly hiding around corners speaking to the black guardian He's mm. being told off because he hasn't killed the doctor yet, and away we go. So, but their performances it. are fairly solid, though. I mean, Tegan's, you know, Jeanette Fielding's just Tegan. You know, it's every. Episode. I like her in this. Yeah, yeah. One thing I will say about uh, Jeanette Fielding, she's very consistent in every episode. She's absolutely Tegan. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah, and then what about Sarah? I know Sarah Sutton. We spoke a little thought, bit. Yeah, I feel a bit sorry for her really because I don't think 
because especially as it's her last story and I don't think she's particularly good in it I'll be honest with you um even in the early scenes when she's like you know the doors appearing in the TARDIS and I kept thinking that, again I blame the director for this the director should have said you know reaction Sarah there's a door in front of you uh, it's come out of nowhere let's see some expression on your face she just looks gormless she's yeah. just stood there going oh I've hurt my hand and then she just goes to the, you know what I mean? There's no oomph in her performance at all. I read you. Um, yeah. And I think it's a shame because like you said, you know, I d- she obviously knew it was her last story, even if it wasn't filmed last. But mm-hmm. come on, this is your exit story. Put some effort in. And yeah, so I thought she was pretty flat. I mean, even in the scenes where she's like in peril or she thinks she is from the garm and she's like screaming and it's it's pathetic. You know, she's like, oh, no, don't let it near me. And she's being all, you know, all screamy. And it's, you know, yeah, I I really I hate to say it because I quite like the character of Nyssa. Um, But I didn't think she was really giving much in this story at all. It may have been because she didn't particularly get the story. I don't know. But, yeah, Yeah. I didn't think she was very good in it. And it's a shame as it's her last um, story. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you, mate, on that. I thought she was really flat. It's, really flat it's probably got something to do with it's her last story and she probably was feeling it and maybe you know yeah. she's a bit emotional but i would have liked to like you said to give it a you know one last you know because she has been really good in some previous stories she yeah she's not a bad character no she's not and uh yeah it would have been nice to see her give it one final push but mm. yeah um okay let's talk about the doctor now this is this is kind of strange for our reviews and i'm i think i'm gonna guess what we're both going to say about this and Mm. before we even start talking about davison we've hardly mentioned him or the doctor at all Mm. so far which is a telling you know which is very telling based on this story because normally we'll go through our reviews and say oh when the doctor did this or this character with the doctor and we've hardly mentioned him so for me i wasn't impressed at all with davison in this one no, even his funky sideburns couldn't save not at couldn't all. save his performances. No, it's very unusual, isn't it? Because we both like Davison, um, and he normally is good, even in a, even in a bad story. Um, I can only assume that he just felt, and I guess it was down to the troubles they had making it. He just looks like he's not into it at all. There's, no. a, you know, and maybe it was again, you know, if the whole cast are on a certain level of performance. Maybe just unusually that brought him down to that level because he's the same as the rest. He's really flat. Yeah. Um, he doesn't stand out at all. I can't think of any moment. There's no sort of nice moment from the Doctor that we normally get with the Fifth Doctor. I don't think. Um, in fact, well, the only bit that comes close to it is is the scene at the end where he meets back up with um, uh, Tegan. Right. And this is saying, be nice to her. And he's like, I am, but what is she doing here? And all that. That's the only bit where I thought, oh, is it, yeah, it's a nice little fifth doctor-ish moment of him, you yeah. know, trying to yeah. temper his, you know, anger and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, for the rest of the story, mate, um, and it's very unusual, I think, he's uh, he's really not on fire no, I at agree. all. I agree. Yeah. He's not, it just didn't do anything for me in this one. You can no. absolutely tell that, because Davison's one of these guys where, he's like the polar opposite to Matt Smith. So when Matt Smith gets a unbeknownst to him, a poor script or a poor story to work with, he will still go for it and he'll be on Mm. fire. And it's actually, you know, a great credit to him because some of the poorer, um, 11th doctor stories 
turned out to be actually not so bad because Matt Smith is still driving it forward. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. and is still going for it. Whereas Davison, I get the feeling that if he's not feeling the story, if he's not quite impressed enough with the script and he's not really liking the, the story overall and the concept, that will affect his performance. He'll feel like, oh, I'm not, I don't really like this. So I'm not mm. going to, you know, make it my best performance. I'm saving that for the good stories, if that makes sense. He certainly seems very flat in this. Yeah. yeah. It's a, and it's a, it's one of the few. I can't think of many because uh, I've watched quite a lot of his era a few times. I mean, I've watched them all, but, you know, yeah. there are ones that I've watched a lot. Um, and I can't think of many stories like this where he just doesn't seem to to have any standout moment he did yeah i mean the only way i can describe it is he looks bored he does you yeah know, he doesn't look like he's into the story at all no and you know? there are there are a few there are just a few stories where he's like that um mm. so time flight springs to mind oh yeah how, how could i forget that <laughs> yeah um kinder oh um, kinder yeah kinder, sorry. i don't know actually kinder is one i want to revisit because i i remember yeah, I remember thinking it's good, but I have mixed feelings on it. I want to. We'll have to do Kinder, yeah. Yeah, and also Snake Dance as well. I mean, th th there's mm. just a few stories where you get. The, what was the one where he's quite vocal about really not liking it? Well, Is he it doesn't Black like Black Orchid. That's yeah, although one, yeah. I I really like that story, but yeah, he doesn't like it yeah. at all. See, that's a strange one because he he mm. really doesn't like that story, but he's not too bad in it. No, you no, know? I think he's all right in yeah. it. Yeah, but there are a few stories where you just get the feeling just from his performance that he just wasn't into that story wasn't digging it he yeah. just wasn't digging it and unfortunately that kind of affects his performance because he can't you know i'm, I'm talking retrospectively here i'm not saying that at the time he thought mm. you know i don't like it so i'm not going to act very well i'm not saying that that was his thought process you can just tell looking back that subconsciously in his mind he's thinking oh i'm just not feeling it it just doesn't production's a bit ropey we've had problems the script isn't very good you know so i just get that vibe from him in this one yeah yeah i get it i mean yeah. it's a bit like um you know i mean if you think about it like this it's it's his job so it's the same as if we go into work one day and we're just not feeling it and things aren't going very well so it's sometimes hard to lift your spirits isn't it it's the same yeah. thing to hit that's it's his job so if you're going in and things are going wrong and you know, he just sometimes it can be hard to get that energy level back up, I think, you yeah. know. And so, yeah, it's the same with any of us, isn't it, with work? If you're not having a good day on set. <laughs> That's it, yeah. You know, you know, it doesn't matter how hard you try, but sometimes you don't even realise you're doing it. You kind of just think, oh, all right, let's get this scene done then. And, you yeah. know, you don't even realise that you're not, bringing your performance up or whatever you know yeah. and again i suppose that's down to the director to say come on bit more let's have a bit more urgency here or let's have that and that obviously didn't happen well you say that because that was my initial thought mm. i thought you know that's down to mary ridge to actually stop things and say look this feels flat a yeah. bit more energy please come on let's get into it but having I, I, initially i thought that but then again going back to the special features and the interviews with these people they all said the same thing, and that was, there's not enough time. Just time, yeah. Yep. Yep. So once you've done the scene, even if you're not 100% happy with it, you just literally haven't got the time to do another take. You've, you've got right. it, and you've got to move on. So, yeah, yeah I think it's a combination of the direction, because like we said, it is fairly flat, and, uh, and just the overall people not feeling it, so... Yeah, and you're right about the time. I mean, isn't there a thing on the, the making of where they say... They were filming 
a scene on the wrong set and because they didn't have time and Peter, I think they were filming on the TARDIS set. It might have been, might have been Sarah's leaving scene. And Peter was like, well, this doesn't make sense. We can't film it on the TARDIS set because that doesn't make sense. And she's like, yeah, but the other set isn't ready. So we're just going to do it on the TARDIS set. And I think they started to film it, but the that, lights used right. to go out yeah. at 10 yeah, at the BBC, whatever. Those lights went out at 10. And I think they were halfway through recording it. And um, yeah, the lights went out. And so I think Peter was like, so thankfully that meant we had to record it the following shoot when the set that we were supposed to be on was ready. So we got it because he said, otherwise it would have been weird. You would have, we would have suddenly been back in the TARDIS and mm-hmm. saying goodbye to Nissa. And he said it was just, you know, but again, that's all time and that's how it was that's back it. then. Yeah. I hope I've got that story right. Cause I didn't quite get it on. I think that's what they were saying on the special features. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they actually said to the, who was it? A couple of people said to Mary Ridge, uh, look, I know you've planned this all out meticulously. You've, every shoot you've done down to the minute and everything's mm-hmm. you know but there was a problem there's a power cut two hours behind so they're even more you know under pressure right. to get yeah. everything done and they were saying that tv back in the day was like that it was very quick you had to get it done but mm. doctor who was kind of re- known for being even more so because the budgets were so tight the time frames you know were so small once you've got the scene you've got it if you weren't happy with it tough luck just that to go, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Sad, really, because if you think about the luxury they have today, if you look at some of the special features on some of the newer series Blu-rays, you know, there's there's uh, gag reels, there's alternate mm. takes, there's loads of time. Well, not loads of time, but there's a lot more time to do take after take if you're not happy, you know, to get it perfect. You know, they weren't afforded all that back then, so... No, and it's different. Different time. I mean, like Doctor Who back then was just made to fill a schedule slot, wasn't it? it? Wasn't you know like nowadays? It's made you know, and then you know that there's going to be a DVD. In fact, very often the DVDs announced you know this, this before the program's actually gone out, so you know you know. So things are made differently now. They yeah. take time to get stuff right. And but back then they're just making a in brackets children's show to fill a 25 minute <laughs> slot in the schedule. It's not you know they weren't thinking like it was going to be repeated and put on lovely shiny discs in the future. You know, it just wouldn't have even occurred to them back then because it obviously didn't exist back then. So, you know, it's a different time, a different way of doing things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Is there anything you want to mention, mate, before we get on? I do want to mention the music. I do actually like the music pretty much throughout Davis and Zero. It has got a quirky. I like it. Is it Roger Lim in this one? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, it works. Well, yeah, I quite like the music. It's got yeah. that twinkly eighties synth sound, yeah. and yeah, I like it as well. I really like the little musical bit when Nissa's saying goodbye. You know that scene. It's quite nice. And yeah, I think did they say in the production titles? I think they hark back to like Nissa's got her own theme from Trakan. Right. I think mm-hmm. so. I think they bring a bit of that in, which is a nice touch. Again, just goes to show that even against all the pressures of time and whatever, that they did care about things like that. Because to just even include a little bit of her theme from Traken is is nice it's a nice touch you know so they, they still care about what they're doing yeah you know in terms of the production absolutely yeah yeah right scores unless you've got anything right. else you to no, go no i haven't first. got anything is it me yeah. um quite low i'm afraid 3.5 3. <laughs> 3, three seemed a bit harsh four seemed too high i've gone in the middle yeah 3.5 out of 10 okay i've gone just slightly higher i've gone with the four have you gone with a thought? No. Yeah. Mm, if it had had a better ending, but no. Right, yeah. <laughs> I think that's one, <laughs> that of, the one of my lowest scores. Yeah. I, I think it might be, mate. Yeah, just thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. Crikey. Right. What did our lovely listeners think? Um, we um, 
Uh, we did a couple. I got into some audio reviews in a sec. We did a couple of polls. We did one on uh, Instagram. We did one on Twitter. Um, so on Twitter, we said we we're reviewing Terminus. Uh, did was it likey or stinky? <laughs> and forty-one percent of you said likey. Ooh. And fifty-nine um, percent of you said stinky. Mm, more likely than I thought. I'll be honest. Do you know what? Yeah, I wasn't going to say that, but mm. yeah. Uh, let's go. Uh, our first audio clip. We had a few in. Uh, let's kick off with Loopy Lou. Hey everyone. Turlow is one of my favourite things about the Davison era. How his character starts off so untrustworthy, devious, and dangerously ambiguous. It makes such an interesting change from the usual more agreeable companions. I remember being so fascinated with his character way back when. Ah, oh, that was so sweet, Nissa kissing the doctor on the cheek goodbye. She's a special kind of person sacrificing everything she knows to help save those people. I think the doctor respected that. I love the cliffhanger at the end. Will Turlow kill the doctor? Dun, dun, dun. Even though I've seen these before, I just had to watch Enlightenment straight away afterwards. That's how much I was enjoying a rewatch. I know this isn't everyone's favourite episode, but I really like it. But perhaps that's because it's nostalgic for me. I don't know. I give it a 7 out of 10. A 7? A 7? Yes, I saw I saw her on the Twitter that Lou was liking this one. Yeah, she just likes Turlow, I think. I think it's a thing for Turlow. Yeah. yeah, I reckon <laughs> so. Okay, let's do our second audio clippage. This is George Puddy. Hi, Garen Adam. Um, so, Terminus... Um, I must confess, I've never actually watched a fifth Doc story, but I yet know quite a bit about the era. I do love that Davison title sequence, it is probably one of my favourites. I like Turlo as a companion, but I do find Nyssa a tiny bit annoying. Not much, but a bit annoying. Valentine Dial is a bit over the top as the Black Guardian. I do like that we see a lot of different runes in the TARDIS, because in the modern era we don't really see that much of the TARDIS other than the console room, so it's quite nice that we see how everybody that has, like, a different rooms. Because I think that Amy and Rory were referenced to having, like, bedrooms, but we never actually seen them, so it's nice that we've seen some companions' bedrooms. I always find uh, Davidson a bit bland as a Doctor, if I'm honest, but he still puts in a good performance nonetheless. Some of the direction isn't great by Mary Ridge. Tegan doesn't do much, but then that is the uh, nature of the crowded TARDIS. I do quite like the concept of the uh, plague victims. The Garm's design is a bit goofy, but has been created much better on screen than the Nymon in our last classic outing. And Nissa's exit is uh, actually very nicely underplayed. I was going to give this a 5.5 out of 10, but because I liked how um, the subtlety of Nissa's exit so much, I'm going to uh, give it a 6 out of 10. Take care, guys. See ya. Thank you very much, George. Nice review, yeah. I, yeah, it's very interesting. Very good. And uh, last audio clip, this is Sammy Satine. G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, Terminus. Well, I won't be rewatching this pile of rubbish. I didn't even make it to the end. I decided to watch Torchwood instead. I give Peter Davison credit. He was good in the bit I saw. Still didn't do much. See ya. Wowzers. Didn't make it to the end. Went off and watched Torchwood instead. <laughs> well, I, can't, I mean, there aren't many stories <laughs> like that, but I can kind of understand it with this one. But yeah, yeah. 
Mm. Oh dear. Thank you very much, guys, for sending in your audio clips. Let's jump lastly over to Facebook. Jason Thayer says, Nissa's departure as episode, one of my favourite companions. He gives it 8 out of 10. Wow. Uh, Jeff Waddle <laughs> says, a 15-minute story if that stretched out to four episodes. I've watched it once. I can't remember a thing about it, except Lisa Goddard has ate his hair like an extra in Bananarama. And Digby, <laughs> the biggest dog in the world in a spacesuit. Rubbish. <laughs> nice one, Jeff. Cheers, Jeff. Joseph Howarth says, Terminus, or as I like to call it, the one story that's not even worth talking about in the Black Guardian saga. Oh, look, Nissa mm-hmm. has fallen ill for some reason. One word to describe this story is boring. Seriously, nothing happens within the entirety of the four-parter. The only things I can even remember, um, that there was a plot about a big bang, I think. Tegan mm. and Turlo crawling through air vents. The Garm, which is a silly high-pitched voice that was controlled by a bunch of angry hippies. <laughs> uh, not the best companion exit for Nyssa. Uh, it's got an overly preachy message that's all jumbled up and there's nothing interesting about it at all. Only watch it for the scenes involving, involving Tegan and Turlo because they're the only good things about this story. It's a skip for me, 5 out of 10. Mm. Mark Atkinson says, Poor, dull, dreary, lifeless, bland, 4 out of 10. Oh. And lastly, Lewis Palmer says, completely ran out of time to record audio. No worries. Uh, he says, it's abysmal. Actually, in two words, really abysmal. I really like the first episode, but after that, the story goes downhill and just loses me completely. In my opinion, Nissa deserved a much better, sorry, much more dignified departure than she got. That said, I like Davison, and episode one is fun. So a four out of ten. Yes, fair enough. Lewis? Oh, dear. Anything on the geek's handbag? Yes, we did. Let's have a look. So Jason House says, um, uh, I thought um, I thought Nissa was a rather dull character. It's fitting to have what I see as one of the worst stories ever as her exit. It may seem harsh, but it's one that fails to hold my interest. Sarah Sutton Blesser is a very good, but I always felt the character never developed. Yeah, I kind of get what you mean. Yeah. So, Charlie Turner says, uh, okay, I'll start by saying that I love Davidson's fifth Doctor normally, but this is my least favourite of his era. Um, it's the Rebel Flash, the almost people level boring. Oh, one out of ten as a Davidson story, <laughs> three out of ten as a story in general. Sad that Nissa left, though, as she's one of Charlie's favourite companions. Okay. Uh, Aaron Ball says, I wanted to really like it as uh, episode one at a great start, but the story is kind of dull, to be honest. Peter is good, I'll say that, and this is costume well. Uh, apart from that, it's the weakest story in the Black Guardian trilogy and for the Davison era. So Aaron gives it a 2.5 out of 10. Wow, that's the lowest score so far. Uh, Bradley Willard, in the words of the fourth Doctor himself, Tom Baker, dull, boring, and tedious, 4 <laughs> out of 10. And Christopher Thompson just says, uh, just recognize Nissa leaves and then go to enlightenment. <laughs> so clearly not a fan. Yeah. Oh, dear. Mm, oh, not I, good. I remember what the guards were called. Oh, what are they called? Uh, they're called the veneer. Oh, yes. Yeah. Veneer. Not Never good. to be heard of again. Never. <laughs> yeah. So that's Terminus for you. Yeah, uh, we would probably say I can speak for both of us here that it's not one to to pick up if you've not seen Davison before. This will not this will not put you in good stead and give you a good impression of his era. It's not reflective of the Fifth Doctor's era at all. No. So if you if you want to get into Davison, great, but please don't pick this one up first. 
Hmm. There are there are quite a few great stories of his to uh, to explore before you get to this one. Absolutely. What are we doing next week, buddy? So next week, eleventh um, Doctor action. It's the Power of Three. We're going to be reviewing. Yeah. Yeah. It's all Power be Three. Doctor earlier. Hmm. Popping up next week, the Power of Three. So I've not seen this one in a long time. I think I saw it. Oh crikey! Broadcast when it went out. Mm. And I've not watched it since owning um, Series 7 box set. I don't think I've pulled this one out and watched it before. I'm not saying that's because it's bad or anything, but I just haven't got haven't got around to watching it again. But so Little I'm, black cubes, isn't it? That's yeah. right. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to uh, to watching this one again. Bit of Amy yeah. and War reaction. Yeah, I must admit, I'm looking forward to seeing this one again. Because like you, I can't remember a lot about it. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. So next week, Power 3. <laughs> Power 3, there we go. And that's going to do for 160. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us and listening through 160. Uh, we had some really cool merch to talk through this week. It's been great. Mm, I like the merch. Talking through all that stuff. Sad news about Trevor Martin. Mm. Um, but yes, and then our review of Terminus was uh, as expected, I would say. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for sending in your uh, reviews and audio clips and so on. Always very much appreciated. Next week we're doing a Power of Three, so get your Blu-rays or your DVDs out and give that a watch. Because as usual, we'll be asking for your thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. on it. <laughs> uh, once again, uh, big well done to our uh, new writing team, uh, Dan, Jordan and Maria. Uh, looking forward to getting you guys on board and you guys to, uh, to start reading their stuff. It's going to be good. Head over to our website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our shows on there, plus you can link off to all of the social media stuff and give us a like and a follow and all that jazz. Uh, And if you're an iTunes listener, um, if you could give us a a rating and a review, that would be awesome because that really helps us out a lot. So thank you very much to those who have already submitted a review. That's awesome. Remember to check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Mm. So many good, so many good videos over there. Just do a search for The Geek's Handbag on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, You'll be able to watch a plethora (laughs) of awesome videos of Adam's, ranging from unboxings, reviews, on-the-spot reviews, convention vlogs, just everything's on there. Mm. It's all good stuff. Wouldn't you say, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> go and watch my Mister Man. He's book just sitting video. there, very modestly, like, "Yep, it's all good." Yeah, Brilliant. I don't like to big myself up, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's a great channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Adam's on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. Everything, just search for. I'm everywhere. Search for the Geek Sandbag. <laughs> uh, right, enjoy the power of three. Mm. Uh, ready for next week? Yes. And uh, yes, we will be with you for one six one in exactly a week's time. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Uh... Uh...